and Trey being Trey, immediately you could hear this guy grabbing his keys like he was ready to drive to Michigan to come help us. adapt and you go on the fly and just see what happens so let's see what happens yeah you know whatever we, we we're no strangers to improvisation um <laughs> i mean you can call on. us the, the uh, pretty lights live of podcasts yeah. right i mean we're just trying things out and seeing what happens and if it doesn't work we just keep going and power through it until something <laughs> does work we just keep it going you know ladies and gentlemen welcome <laughs> or welcome back listen i want to i want to preface this by saying Christian is alive, I promise that he is. <laughs> I know it is, checks. Mm-hmm. I know it has been a while since you have seen or heard from him. It has not been a while since I have seen or heard from him. Um, he is around. He's he's going through some some technical difficulties per usual. You know he's getting old now. I, like he's in his thirties, <laughs> and when you like, I haven't turned thirty, thankfully. But I think that when you do, you hit a certain point where everything technology-wise becomes foreign to you, you know? So I think for him, Anthony, did you experience that when you turned 30? Yeah. In fact, uh, I'm 32, 23. Yeah, 32 now, and my body is failing me. <laughs> I actually did the math uh, did the math the other day with my mom, and it's been 18, almost 18 years since my last ACL tear. And um, it probably has a... 18 year expiration date so you yeah, think another one gets about, about due uh, i don't know i get i get my legs get really stiff in movie theaters and car rides and uh uh not at shows though that's the beauty of going to shows it's pretty much like rehab for me to be able to move for you know multiple hours at a time it's uh it's very uh humbling you know to know that you're that old at shows and not, it's really not that old it's just yeah Got it. Yeah. You got to keep active in some way. So yeah. So <laughs> so kind of on that same vein. Speaking of of the past when we were younger. So today we we're going to do a year in review, um, with Christian and Anthony. Talk about 2023. The shows that we saw that were our favorites. The albums that we listened to that were our favorites. Talk about our Spotify rap things of that nature. But we don't want to do that without Christian. So we're doing a last minute pivot here and Anthony and I are just kind of going to go off the dome and talk about the the music festival, um, the the birth and death of music festivals. I think we're getting to the death of music festivals at this point, but we're going to talk kind of all about music festivals, our experiences with them, where they've come, um, where they're at now, things of that nature. Um, yeah, and just kind of chop it up a little bit, maybe tell some funny stories in the meantime. So I want to start it off, Anthony, what was your first ever music festival yeah so my first one we kind of stuck our toes in there a little bit during the um carter 2 episode but yeah my first festival was bonnaroo uh 2012 which was their 10th 10 year anniversary and uh yeah a learning experience without a doubt i mean i learned i learned that you got to pace yourself i learned that you can try to keep up with your friends as far as like keeping a group together, but inevitably people are going to get separated. And that was like, that was a huge learning lesson for me realizing, you know, you look out for yourself, you look out for the people around you, but you try to keep tabs on people in a, in a giant adult playground like Bonnaroo and uh, you're just going to be stressing. 
you know, because it's it's inevitable. People are going to get lost, but people come back with stories to tell. But um, that that being my first festival was a true test and eh, pass or fail. Let's just give me a participation points with that because I made it out. I made it out alive and have stories to tell, but of course I could have done it better. So like music festivals to me, have always been like a, a learning experience to where each, each year you do it better and better and more efficiently. And you get to see the shows that you want to. I mean, your first festival, it, it's just, it's overwhelming just for the sheer amount of people, the sheer amount of artists, the sheer amount of uh, workshops you can get into. Um, so it's okay to miss things, you know, but yeah. you learn from it and then you start to prioritize uh, the things that you truly want to experience. And whether your group wants to go or not, you know, once you get your bearings in a place and you know where to go and you know how to do it, you know, safely, you can kind of venture off and do those things without, without major concern for safety, hopefully. Um, but that's kind of, that's what, that's what the time was back then. Those 2012 Bonnaroo beyond loaded lineup. And I was, I was beyond loaded a couple times too. So <laughs> you gotta be careful. So, you gotta be careful out there. So actually I need to fact check you here, Anthony. Are you was sure it, it wasn't 2011? I think it I was. I think it was yeah. 2011. Yeah. 2011. Mm-hmm. Cause was it, was, it, was it M&M year? Was, was Eminem a headliner? No, it was no? Wayne or, or, don't don't quote me on that because remember I was pretty beyond loaded. <laughs> but if you see Wayne Wayne Pretty Lights, uh, I believe Mumford and Sons, uh, Wiz, Bass Sector, those were the main artists I remember. I don't know if Widespread so I think, was on that lineup that year. I, I can't remember. I have to pull out the old T shirt. I think it was um, definitely oh, yeah, their so ten year 20- anniversary. Let's see. So I think it was 2010. So 2010 was Jay-Z, Dave Matthews, My yeah, Morning Jacket, LCD Sound System. And then 2011 was Eminem, Arcade Fire, Widespread Panic, Lil Wayne, My Morning Jacket, String yeah. Cheese, Bass Nectar, Girl Talk. I didn't realize fucking Girl Talk was there. Um, yeah. Girl Talk Primus, STS9, Wiz, like... I mean, Jesus Christ, That's what I mean. Did I did I stay overwhelming or or not? You know, and like I can look at I can look at festivals lineups now and think back and be like, just like that, you know, like so and so was there, or Tribe was there, and and I just saw Tribe, you know, a couple of weeks ago, and it's and it's therapeutic, it's medicine, you know. But realizing now the experience I could have had versus the experience I had, you know, you can't change it, but you you can't help but look back and be like, damn, I should have totally done this differently but you just that's how you learn you know and that's that's what's gotten me to where i'm at now as far as like a festival going from a festival going aspect you know where you can now put everything in in perspective and 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 make your own path i think what's funny is looking at this lineup down at the very bottom in tiny letters is j cole is on here (laughs) like way down at the bottom portugal the man is down here like and to look at them, I think that's what's so cool about looking at these early festivals. You know, we started going the same the same year. I started going in 2011 as well. And, like, to see the artists on these lineup posters, like, then, whereas, like, J. Cole yeah. at the bottom. And now J. Cole is a fucking Bonnaroo headliner, man. To see that progression <laughs> through, like, the festival posters is crazy to me. Um, yeah, and bon- you- Bonnaroo being such a diverse festival, too. I mean, it, it, it checks a lot of boxes music-wise and uh, 
that's something they've always been pretty pretty solid with you know is diversifying it yeah i think so too do you have a do you remember a highlight from that weekend 2011 what your favorite show was there was two so my favorite show was probably Wiz. i mean that was like the first time being at a hip-hop show and and fully taking it all in for what it was and and Wiz is one of those uh rappers that doesn't get lost in the like his vocals don't get lost in a show you know, like right. I, I would say up to that point, I really hadn't experienced a, a hip hop show that really translated from what I had been listening to, which is just shit through my headphones to a live performance. And, and Wiz was one that it really took it to the next level. Plus the set that he played, if only I could find that was straight from his mixtapes. You know, I mean, it was Cushion Orange Juice and Cabin Fever and these mixtapes. Yeah, so, so tight, and, yeah it, it, it fucking crushed. So like. If any, if I took anything, there's two things that Wiz set and a silent disco. That was the first time I ever got to experience a silent disco too, and I, I don't remember much from it. But the concept itself was so cool to me to see this group of people with just headphones on, with little lights flashing, uh, moving to different music. So like, yeah, they probably had three or four uh, producers or musicians or DJs on stage mixing. And everyone is listening to, you know, different stuff. So it was just a, a mob scene, but so, so cool to witness from afar and then so cool to, to experience, no doubt. Yeah, that's fucking sick. The first festival I ever went to was Hangout 2011. And the lineup yeah. here, looking back at it, so it was Paul Simon, Foo Fighters, Widespread Panic, The Black Keys, My Morning Jacket, Flaming Lips, and the Avent Brothers were up at the top. Yeah. And then there was... STS9, Bass Nectar, Pretty Lights, Girl Talk, Slightly Stupid as well. Um, and then Portugal the Man again down at the bottom. Um, and looking back at it now, like, it's funny. I don't think I realized, like, what I was witnessing at the time that I was right. witnessing it, right? Because in 2011, I think I was, how fucking old was I? How many years did you have a license? I was 15. <laughs> Yeah, right years old. yeah so but i remember like we had seen base center the the first base center show i went to was in february of that year um at batwell that was during the wow um, should have been the immersive tour or no no it was way before immersive before that. It was a divergent spectrum tour. That, That's what it yeah. Was. Mm -hmm. yeah and so i remember obviously being hooked then but then the i mean the whole festival was fucking phenomenal but like base nectar played that like he he played his set and then he played another set they were doing a thing where like you could pay extra and they were playing shows at night like they closed off the tent and they had artists play at night like girl talk did a show i think pl did a show and i know nectar did a show because trey and carly and i all went and the the show during the day like he played in the middle of the day at that point like in a tent and i just remember it being raunchy and sweaty and crazy i remember him playing the the nirvana in bloom remix and then that night we went and, you know, the late night shows, like we saw STS9 late night, we saw Bass Center late night, and it was just, it was such an experience. And that was the first time being at a festival. It's going from going to concerts, like where you see three acts in a row or whatever, like going to a music, fest music festival and having three or four stages and just there's music everywhere. Everywhere you walk, like you hear some type of show and that first experience with that is something that i i wish i could forget and go back and have again because there's nothing right. like that that for, that realization that like no matter where i go there's some show and i think that it's crazy to look back at these lineups and see 
you know, Umphreys McGee was also there. Like this, this line, this lineup was fucking crazy, dude. Right, and it makes you think too. Like at in that point in time, did these festivals just have like insane budgets, or were these artists just not being, you know, super paid? Right, because like that's yeah. I mean, ten headliners at least nowadays. You know, that are selling out. I mean, arenas easily. You know, or at least giant yeah. uh, giant theaters. Right. So back then in 2011. I mean, Hangout, I don't want to misspeak, but I don't think they had been around for that long. Bonnaroo for no, 10 years. No, that was their second year. Second year, yeah. right? And you're yeah. just unloading all those lineups. And then you did slowly see it kind of trickle down over time. But yeah, I mean, what an, what an experience to go to, you know? Yeah, and I think like it, and even I also went to Lala that year in August in 2011, and it was... Eminem, the Foo Fighters, Coldplay, and Muse. But then My Morning Jacket was there. Dead Mouse, um, Damian Marley with Nas was there. Arctic Monkeys was there. And then Girl Talk, Pretty Lights, Kid Cudi, Skrillex were all there. Jay Electronica, like, and they were playing at Perry's at the time. And I think, like, you bring up an interesting point that I think that you and I, it's interesting to see people that started going to festivals, this sounds like elitist and I'm not trying to be elitist at all, but like, <laughs> it's interesting to see people that, that got into festivals like in 2015 and 16 and 17, because I think this, that early phase, the 2011 and 2013, like you're saying, these artists weren't established to their, to the degree that they are now, like they weren't at that level Perfect. yet. So I don't even think that it's really about the budget. I think like a bass nectar set in 2011, probably cost a fraction of what it costs in 2016 right so it's like right. that early those early years of those festivals were they just jammed so much into those lineups because they it wasn't as expensive to do you know and i think that was that's kind of what i i blame this fall off of music festivals it's not really even their fault it's just these artists have gotten so big they can't afford to yeah pack the lineups the way that they used to you know um yes it's the catch-22 of once you establish yourself then you have to kind of keep up with that and it's it's almost not sustainable you know especially as the artists start to grow and the crowds start to grow and the the greed starts to grow in in reality you know i mean like the people who are benefiting from festivals it it, it it's hard it's probably got to be hard to resist i can't you know know that feeling but when you have people foaming at the mouth for the next year and the next year and the next year and can only try to deliver so much that it's not likely sustainable, but you see who kind of survives and who sticks around. And it's these, these OGs. I mean, Bonnaroo this year, I think is a really good example of delivering a pretty solid lineup, especially in comparison to the past. I think it's, it's at a good, it's at a good pace, I'd say. Yeah. I think it's, what's crazy is like, 2016 to 18 there was like this implosion of fucking music festivals it was like every weekend there's a new music festival that was starting and i remember during that run it was very much like my festival chasing was centered around bass nectar completely but there are festivals that don't exist anymore that i haven't heard of since then like euphoria in austin texas we saw bass Hunter there and i don't know if euphoria is still going on or like okeechobee like he kind of that we we were there the first year of okeechobee in those two years right. after the fact and like okeechobee had to take a year off i'm assuming because they didn't have the finances to to run it every year and things like that but it felt like there was like a boom 
music festival boom around 2016 and then it started to fade away and we're kind of left with what we had in the beginning you know right yeah counterpoints are probably a really good example of that counterpoint was a sick festival and it might have been 2014 15 16 that time frame too but it didn't it didn't last more than i think three or four years it changed locations a couple times and some of that could be due to just lack of organization or promoter conflict or whatever internal stuff is happening. But that was a, that was a festival that like had so much potential, especially in the South. That's not Bonnaroo or the hangout. It was kind of this middle ground to where it's like, it's in a good space in Georgia. The artists that they booked were consistently, you know, fire. Um, But it just didn't have the longevity or the staying power, but it's unfortunate that, you know, you see these things come and go and it's like, man, if only it was still around, but you can also look back and say, I'm very lucky to to have gone there when I could. Yeah, no, I think so too. And you know, what's interesting is I think like one of the prime examples of how these festivals kind of change over time, like, and whether it be for the better or not, like Electric Forest is kind of like a prime example of that. Like, I think if people now look at Electric Forest Electric Forest is is essentially just EDC in the woods now. Like I think right. Cheese Cheese still plays like a set, but or a set or two or whatever they do, right? But initially, Electric Forest, like looking at the 2012 lineup, um, they had the String Cheese Incident, two shows, uh, Bass Nectar, STS9, Girl Talk, Steve Aoki, um, and then they had you know going down the lineup. There's a there's a really healthy mix here of Grizz's first fest was that year. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so that there's was a, like that was a big deal. There's a huge there's a really good mix here like those early years of Electric Forest of jam bands and electronic artists. And then as the years progressed like Cheese kind of started there was there were years where in that 2016 era, 2016, 17, 18 whatever, they were playing, you know, two sets a night. They were playing six total sets and then it kind of got phased down and Bass Nectar was playing two sets and then they they branched out to two weekends and it's like they slowly right. over time just pulled away from this jam band aspect. And now it's like an electronic festival, but it brings, it, I'm assuming it just, that's what brings in the money. You know, now it doesn't feel like a festival right. that you would want to see a jam band at, it, you know, like it doesn't seem like they would attract a crowd that would appreciate that type of music. Yeah. And the CDJ factor I think is very prevalent too. in a lot of these festivals, you know, where like, I'm not, very fluent on the type of gear that people are, are using to perform live with, but the simplicity of someone being able to walk up on stage, plug in their USB and then mix on the decks that are already on the table makes for such quick turnover. So it's like, it does make sense from an efficiency standpoint to, to book all these DJs and producers, um, you know, of all different genres, but still it is, it does draw a totally different type of crowd than you might see at a, typical just swanee bluegrass festival you know or something right. out in colorado to, or telluride kind of feel you know it's just yeah. it, it, it has its pros and cons and yes you may sell it out but you also may have a lot of medical emergencies i mean like there's there's tons of factors that come with that and yeah running a festival i can only imagine you know just the logistics of it all but but i think when you try things like that you try to s- stretch yourself out for two days i mean you can see the success rate of it is not that not that great, uh, and then it kind of 
humbles you back to what worked in the past and trying to get back to that, at least try to reestablish, you know, that kind of credit with the community. Yeah, no, for that sure. Festival, that festival, I do want to say this about Electric Force because, uh, you know, I talked about my <laughs> getting, you know, overloaded at Bonnaroo and Electric Forest the next year, the next summer, that was the festival that I went to in uh, 2012. And I was on probation at the time. So this was my first festival to do completely sober. And that experience in itself was life-changing for me because, you know, I'd experimented with all sorts of drugs and especially within the music culture. And it, it totally enhanced my experience back then. But being able to experience that whole festival completely sober uh, changed my whole perception on how to experience shows because I realized, you know, very quickly, like I was getting high off of this atmosphere, off of this energy that was just resonating from the community, you know, just being able to, to post up in the campsites or walk through the campsites or just go and be able to experience all these shows, you know, was such a complete 180 for me from the year prior at Bonner when I'm, trying to figure out where I'm at or which stage is that <laughs> yeah. stage and what stage and that didn't help you know yeah. but um yeah. but at Forest though it was such a it was such an eye-opening experience because I went with a small group there was three of us me and uh, a guy and a girl and we all ventured out and we all came back and it was such a learning experience and I realized I could do this and there's no need for that you know I mean there's still there's still ways to enhance your experience chemically but like having been kind of forced into that situation having to be sober uh totally changed my perception on just how to experience live shows moving forward and i realized you know you can get that same feeling you can get more than that uh without ingesting any substances so that was like such a such a cool experience no i think that is really cool and like that's i was just looking at this lineup so the first the first bonner i went to was 2013 um, and the headliners gotcha. that year were Paul McCartney, Mumford and Sons, Tom Petty, Bjork, Wilco, and Pretty Lights. That was like the top line. Um, but I guess the first three would be what you consider. Also, f- a little funny tidbit: R. Kelly was on this lineup. Wow! <laughs> um, wow. Wu Tang was there. Kendrick was there. <laughs> yeah. um, there is a lot of good, a lot of good acts. But what's funny is there were years that you know we were talking about this earlier, like. I don't. I think the lineup this year for Bonnaroo is probably the weakest I've ever seen them put out. Arguably, a, apart from 2017, I think 2017 was like the weakest one. And I worked 2017, so I didn't pay for the ticket. Um, mm-hmm. But I think, like, kind of on the same vein of like being sober, Bonnaroo for me always felt like a place that, kind of what you're talking about. Like, there's so much happening, and there's this crazy sense of community and camaraderie and all this stuff to do at Bonnaroo that I didn't like, I never felt that I had to be, you know, under the influence to enjoy myself at Bonnaroo or to really love the lineup to enjoy myself at Bonnaroo. Like there were years that I went where like, like 2017 is a prime example. I liked the, some of the artists there, but as a whole, I wasn't like, Oh, I need to go for the lineup. I went because I wanted to be at Bonnaroo and it was the type of, that place is the type of experience where that's why like I, I, find so much joy in in bringing people to music festivals but Bonnaroo in particular like last year 2023 I went with people that I had never been 2022 I went with people that I had never been and it's just fun for them to see that world and with their own eyes for the first time and like 
when the sun sets at Bonnaroo, it's like a whole different planet, <laughs> dude. Like, yeah. Yeah. It's so big and there's so much to do. And like, I think that's why it's always going to hold a special place in my heart. But I feel the same way. Like, there are times where, you know, I, the, the, the night would come to an end and it's late at night. And like, I had been, I haven't been drinking. I've been at shows and I'm sober at this point, walking back like to my campsite, which is fucking 500 acres away or whatever. And I'm just taking in like everything around me and, and realizing like, this is an adventure all in itself. Like you don't have to have some, you don't have to, to be on anything to enjoy this type of environment, which I think is, is really special. And I think Bonnaroo really nails that. Yeah. I mean, the key word there is environment, you know I mean? Like you create a space for people, like the whole, the thing that always drew me to festival culture and even show culture, music show culture was the lack of judgment, you know, and when you can experience that in, in full on fashion, uh, and know that it's right there, it is something that it can't be, it can't, it can be replicated, but you can't like, you have to go and experience something like that to know it. And I remember yeah. coming back from a festival and you still have that festival mindset of like, well, what there's, there's, there's is there rules. Like, what are the rules? Like we have to follow, yeah. we have to fall back kind of into this. You have to like reintegrate yourself back into yeah. society after a, uh, a full on, you know, four days out in the, uh, on the farm in, in Bonnaroo, you know, it's, a, yeah. it's a, it's a, it's an interesting experience to kind of come back to reality and realize, all right, we have to, we can't just have anything out in the open out here. Yeah. yeah. You have to like, there's just, there's not a more like stark contrast than going from Bonnaroo to the airport. Like yeah. you, leave, you leave Bonnaroo and then you go through TSA and like, you're just, it's like jumping into a fucking ice bath. You're like, Oh shit. I have to go back to normal life now. Yeah. Yeah. We got we to figure this out. Yeah. Now. Yeah. But so, I want to say this on, uh, speaking on bringing people to festivals, you know, like that is such a, it's such a gift that you are able to give people in a sense, you know, it's like, People are always skeptical. People will have their, you know, comments on, well, you're just going for this or that, you know, or, or why, why are you going to waste your time or waste your money? Cause that was, you know, festivals, is, it's not a cheap thing, you know, but finding a way to participate or, or, or be involved, whether it's promoting, like I promoted so many festivals just by hanging up posters around, you know, Birmingham and getting free tickets for that. But but being able to bring people to festivals or shows, I think, is something that is so, so underrated because of two things, like the person willing or wanting to bring someone and then the other person willing to go, like to take that step forward and say, all right, yeah, I'm, let's go. Let's do it. Because there was a time and you'll have to find the year for me, but there was a time where we were sitting in uh, Christian's uh, little house, I guess, duplex. And... um I had my car packed, ready to go to uh, to Michigan to Electric Forest, and I asked you if you wanted to go, and that was a uh, <laughs> that was I was so glad that that you decided to do it because, I mean, like you, you walk 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 us through that. You know, what is it like to be asked right now to go, and then what is it like to to do it? Yeah, because- so that was um, Electric Forest 2018, if I remember correctly, um, and we wanted to go just to it was we, for a night 
Yeah, we wanted to go for a night, so we wanted to, Birmingham. Yeah, we wanted to to drive up there and get there in the because it was what like a ten hour drive, I think, and we wanted yeah, ten to, get, to twelve. Yeah, get there mm-hmm. in the morning, um, and and go basically spend the day there, see Bass Nectar, um, and then leave after he was done. And I remember, yeah, we were hanging out in the duplex and. <laughs> you came in and you're like, yo, I'm about to do this. So like, does anyone want to come with me? And I was sitting on the fence. And I remember actually at the time, uh, Emily was with us or yeah. I, I was dating Emily at the time. And um, we were the only ones like, I, I know Christmas there. I don't know who else was, was there with us, but there was a room full of people. Yeah. And I was like, you know what? Fuck it. Like, let's just go, you know, let's, there's what, what else are we doing? You know? And we, so we jump in the car, we drive through the drive through the night, and I remember um, we had a, a wonderful prank, which I know Trey will appreciate. Where <laughs> <laughs> so we didn't have tickets, we didn't have tickets, and our plan was—I don't remember exactly what our plan was. It was to sneak in some way. I don't know if we were going to borrow people's wristbands. I think that yeah. might have been what we were doing, right. um, and or somebody was going to give us a wristband, something to that degree. Mm-hmm. And so we we're all super worried about getting in. Trey was worried for us. We get there, whoever had the had the wristbands hooked us up. And so we get in and then our brilliant plan is to call Trey <laughs> and <laughs> we call you call Trey and tell yeah. him that um, I was drinking 40s on the way up to the <laughs> up to the festival and that when I got there I was belligerent and I ran through security and got arrested and Trey being Trey immediately you could hear this guy grabbing his keys like he was ready <laughs> to drive to Michigan to come help us and you had to be like yo, yo I'm just kidding like he's fine we just we just wanted to fuck with you which mm-hmm. I know Trey did not appreciate but no. we thought was really fucking funny and um uh-uh. we so we show up and um yeah we get in we had no problems getting in and um we had those wristbands or whatever and and we spent the whole day kind of just kicking it around electric force I hadn't been before so we got to just walk around the forest and experience that and then I still remember that year Bass Nectar opened up with Voodoo, which is one of my favorite Bass Nectar songs ever. And like the the show was just fucking pedal to the floor. Like he played Flood on the Floor by Purity Ring, which I love. Like, and I just remember the experience. And the cheese set before, I don't know if you remember the cheese set before was also crazy because it was Saturday night cheese. <laughs> and like they always threw a fucking party. And so we had a great time at Cheese had a killer time at base nectar. And then we just like embraced the forest at night. We walked around, looked at the lights, did all that shit, and then drove home on a whim. And like, and I remember there was a moment where <laughs> Landon Denny was there actually, and he was with us and something had happened to his wristband. Like it had gotten taken or he got cut off or something like that. And I had my wristband and I don't think, and I, I don't know if Landon knew this or not. I don't know if he knew that we had just gone up there for a day, but like I gave him my wristband and Landon, I seriously thought was going to cry. Like he hugged me and was like, you don't know what this means to me. And I was just like, yeah, man, like, you know it. Like, I didn't want to be like, I'm fucking leaving anyway. But yeah. yeah so I gave it and like, he was just so happy. And like I, the group we were with is awesome. But that I think like when I meet new people, some of those best experiences are those last minute, like, we're just going to fucking do it. We don't we don't have a plan set in stone. We don't have anything really ready to go, but like, this is what we want to do and we're going to do it. And I've done that, you know, for festivals, I've done that for shows. Like I went to 
New York to see Bass Nectar at Elements, and I had no plans whatsoever. I didn't have anybody to stay with. I didn't. I was going to go go to the show, fly back. Like those moments are the best. And I think like having someone like you come in and be like, "Let's do this." It was like finally someone's on the same fucking page as me. Like let's just right. do it. You know. No, that feeling is so mutual. You know, and like there's an old saying. You know, by I think it's Hunter S. Thompson. Like buy the ticket, take the ride enjoy the trip, something like that, you know, maybe it's not him, but the idea is like, take the chance, you know, I mean, if, if it makes sense, if your responsibilities are taken care of, if you can, you know, financially do it, if you can physically do it, why not? You know, I mean, it's one of those things to where you very rarely, if ever regret doing something like that, you know, I mean, granted, if something terrible happens, that is a whole different story, but like you come out of that with, experience you come out of that with knowledge you come out of that with just pure joy and like you know i mentioned it before like whether it's a concert whether it's a festival whether it's just immersing yourself in a novel environment like there is so much growth that's happening through that and so much healing that is happening through that that you may not realize you need it but you got it and then look at what happened after the fact you know it's so you can go to a show nowadays and i i still get this afterglow feeling for days afterwards you know i mean like this this recent pretty lights tour when it ended i mean it may have ended physically but like mentally and spiritually emotionally you still vibe off of it you know for weeks afterwards and that's something that you can't you can't pay for that i mean you can but like in reality it's it's you being open to that experience that makes it so worthwhile yeah and i think like i don't remember who it was but there was a a bonner that i went to where and this was fairly recent. It might've been in 2022, but somebody, one of the artists was like, take this feeling that you have and like carry it with you outside of here. It doesn't, it doesn't have to end here. Like this, this feeling of connection that you have with the people around you and that level of happiness, it doesn't, it's not confined to Bonnaroo, right? Like you can, or any festival, you can take that and go and spread it around. And I think that's like, it's so hard. The emotional crash when you leave a festival like that and you've had like the best time of your life, like it's hard to carry that kind of energy with you when you leave. But it's something that I feel like we owe to ourselves to not like just let it die immediately after it's over. You know, like this past year at Bonnaroo, like I had said that and I and I still believe that like it was the last dance. Like I was ready to to be done with Bonnaroo. Like I love it. I always will. And I've had an amazing time there. But like you know, I've been eight times, like there's other things I want to experience. And like you said, they're expensive. And I just remember the, the last day, like we were all sitting and some people had gone to bed. And so there was probably like four or five of us out under the RV and it was raining. And they were all kind of just talking about their experience and like how much they enjoyed it. And I like couldn't speak like I was literally crying and they're like yo are you fucking good like what the fuck is going on but it's like in my mind it was like i knew it was going to be the last one and it was just this flood of the past 10 years like coming back to me and realizing like all of these beautiful moments i've shared with people and artists and in the farm and all of that stuff and it was just like this really heavy feeling but in a good way you know it was nice to be able to look back and say like i did this i had these experiences and they were a lot of fun. And I saw artists that I'd never thought I would see in my life. And some of the shows, like 
over the past 10 years of Bonnaroo shows that stick with me for will stick with me forever, dude. Like 2015 right. Bass Nectar, or even 2023 JID, like those shows all across those years, there's those shows that leave like a, a visceral impact on you. And I don't think I can get that anywhere else, you know, not, not to that level. And I think that's what makes it so special. Yeah. Um, what do you, what do you think, um, camping festival or city festival? What's your, what's your ideal? How do you feel about the two versus each other? So they both have their pros and cons, you know, I'll start with like city festivals. They, they're going to end at a certain time and you're going to be able to go and sleep in a bed typically or in your car like me or <laughs> drive all the way back home and sleep in your own bed, you know? So it's like the, the pros for city festival, city festivals, I, I typically would do for a day, you know, and that I would typically be traveling for an artist and try to promote them, promote the festival. So that way I could get a comp ticket, but I always enjoyed them, but there, there was always this lacking of like, I don't know. I, I, I would just speak on the crowds, you know I mean? You get crowds that are, likely doing the same thing, just rolling right from work or rolling right from their house or pre-gaming at their house and then driving to the festival. That was always a, a thing that was happening. And it, and it, it does bring a different vibe. Now I think at any show you can find negativity if you search for it, or if you let it, you know, impact you, it is there, but there's also tons of positivity there too. And like the beauty of seeing city festivals was kind of like, integrating with the local scene you know chicago um uh shit i'm not gonna remember what the festival in chicago music lala no um the other Mu- festival mm. oh dang i'm just drawing a blank i know there's music midtown in atlanta no there's another one in chicago but north anyway. coast yeah north coast yeah so like doing north i went to north coast for a day and like i had this whole um mental image of what North coast was like. And then when I got there, so like I had listened to the base sector North coast 2011 set, which is a fucking crusher of a set. And I had this whole mental image of it, never seen videos, never looked up videos, but like I had this idea of what it was going to be. And it turns out it was a city festival and I didn't even have that knowledge until I got there. So like taking the, the train to get there was a cool experience. Um, but when you're there, it's just, it's just different. You know, and like I was expecting to be out in the woods and it just wasn't that there's gravel underneath your feet. So yeah. like there's this whole there's this whole different feel of of uh, of a festival experience, you know, but in my mind, it's it's hard to top camping festivals just because it doesn't necessarily end at midnight right. you know, or at one. It keeps going. But that's when things get really interesting because in these camping festivals, you have these workshops that are happening during the day and at night. There's installations. The first Okeechobee was so interesting because they had this whole like, I don't know, Igloo City. It was weird. It was like, it felt like Cineru at Bonnaroo, but it was these little mini domes that were all set up that had all these different activities and installations. And it didn't open until after the music ended. Right. So it was this whole nother experience that we didn't even know was going to happen until it was already upon us. Um, so that was super cool. Um, I mean, the idea of camping too, camping is such a, has been such a learning experience for me where, you know, you start just typical camping with a tent and then you realize, all right, it's hot as hell in a tent. How do you keep it cool? So you don't have to 
get up when the sun comes up necessarily. So you get some fans and you figure that part out. But then, you know, over time I started to realize uh, how efficient and comfortable it was to camp in hammocks. Like hammocks are my go-to. If I'm going to camp overnight at a festival, um, I have a hammock with me and I have a hammock stand and a sleeping bag. And those, those three things right there, I've slept through pretty much every element except for straight up downpour rain yeah super cold super hot you figure out how to do that and and you're pretty much set and you're refreshed for the next day um so for me i mean it's hard to top camping festivals but they both have their pros and cons uh but if you ask me i'm going i'm going out in the woods we're going camping yeah no no that's definitely fair what about you uh, i like you know i have to agree like the overall environment and just kind of experience of a camping festival is cool because everybody is there for essentially the entirety of it right like when the shows end you know those same people are still wandering around the festivals and like you know that the majority of the people are experiencing the same things as you for the same amount of time and there's so much to do especially like honestly man obviously Bonnaroo there's so much to do there now outside of Centerroo but Hats off to Okeechobee. Like Okeechobee's first year, those first few years they did it, they did a phenomenal job. And yeah. I remember the first year of Okeechobee being being kind of blown away at how similar to Bonnaroo it felt. And yeah. that that camping experience was that whole festival, man, was still goes down as one of my favorites I've ever experienced. And I've been to a fuck ton of music festivals and that that one really kind of sticks out of my mind but you know i always like i went to Lollapalooza three years i went 2011 14 and 15 and i always really enjoyed it i love the city of chicago and like like you said i love the like there was a year that carly and i went with todd in 2014 and we we went to lava during the day and then lava ends at like 10 and so there's shit going on in the city and cage elephant played the vic in chicago and carly and i got a ticket to the show wow. at the vic and rode the you know rode the the rail down to yeah. where we had to go you know like it was just an experience to be out in chicago and like having a good time and the same thing when you know i went for 2015 i met up with christian and we just hung out in chicago we went to a bar downtown and like just hung out and it was just nice to, I do like that experience. Like I like having other stuff to do. And I like, and to be honest, like sometimes I, you know, I like sleeping in a hotel bed, man. Like I love camping. You like, like it's taking a, showers. Yeah, like it's a blast. And when I camp, like everybody gives me shit. Like when I'm at Bonnaroo, I don't shower. Like I'll do a, I'll do a whore bath. Like I'll baby wipe myself and use a gallon jug or whatever. But, and that's fun sometimes. Like I like to rough it, but something about like a long day, especially at, at Lala when you're on concrete, like, and you're experiencing <laughs> just like a long day, like to go home and lay in a fucking huge king bed or something. It's just, it's a good feeling. And so there, there's definitely merit, you know, I've been to a lot of city festivals. And like you said, the environment's really different than it is at a camping festival, but I think it's not, I don't think it's anything to knock, you know, it's still, it's still great to be able to go and enjoy it and see all those artists, but a camping festival, you're in it, man. And you're not getting out of it. Like you're immersed in that shit. And that's just a cool experience to, to be a part of, I think. So, you know, pros and cons, pros and cons. So you would say Okeechobee that first year, that's your favorite festival. I I was just about to ask you what you think your, what, what your top festival is. I don't know if I could lay it down 
like so what was that first year was 2018 okeechobee right no 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 2016 oh shit it was that early yeah holy fuck i didn't realize it was so early hang on let me pull up this lineup it just feels Um, like so long ago now or doesn't feel like that long ago i know yeah so um mumford kendrick skrillex bass nectar robert plant odessa future miguel uh big grams was there so big boy and fanagram mac was there that mac show man rest in peace to the goat that fucking mac show was so good uh mm-hmm. portugal the man show is great grammatic lotus that lineup was fucking crazy dude. yeah Spongle, lettuce. Mm-hmm. yeah um it's up there man it's up there i don't know i you tell me what you think yours is i gotta comb through a couple of lineup posters and see if i can narrow it down well i'll i'll say this you know because like music wise i mean every festival that i've been to hits what i want you know from a music standpoint but like the thing that that i'll say is my favorite festival it's more of like a a situation that happened that probably won't ever happen again so let's see the year of this i might have to go get the poster off of my wall and see but so i oh shit i don't know what year this is it only happened one time and the festival is called creatures of the night. This was going to be like this epic, epic camping and music festival in Tennessee. First time they ever threw it. The promoters were fans like us who just kind of pulled together and and put together this insane lineup of music. So I'll just kind of go down some names that are on here. It's, it's insane. This is just musicians. First, you got Lotus, Papadozio, Keller Williams, Dopapod, Random Rab, G. Jones, Mr. Bill, Pigeons Playing Ping Pong, Space oh, Jesus yeah. in the time, uh, Aqueous, Levitation Jones in the time, CBDB. It's, it's insanely loaded. Nice. Right? So day, night one happens, goes off pretty much without any issues. And night two starts and... I think it's before the sun goes down or, or as the sun is going down, word starts kind of floating around the festival that, that it's canceled. So everyone is, is out in the middle of the woods or out somewhere in Tennessee <laughs> and starting to figure out like what everyone's trying to figure out what is happening. No information is getting translated. Everyone's service is gone, uh, but people are just communicating word of mouth saying like, like Papadozio has left the festival. They're not even here anymore. Like so-and-so's set is canceled what is going on. So it, it came about to the community that was there. Cause this is like a smaller, lower tier festival, but there's a bunch of like dedicated music fans that are there. Um, so it came about that the festival was indeed going to be canceled. None of the schedule artists were obligated to perform anymore. They, they gave everyone an option. They said, you can leave. I I don't remember any mentions of refunds or anything like that, but they said you can leave or you can stay. And they're like, you can stay till, uh, till Monday morning and just kind of do your, do your thing. You're already here. Right. Then they weren't going to kick anybody out, I guess is what they were getting at. And it ended up being so fucking cool because of the musicians that stayed and the visual artists that stayed and the, um, vendors that stayed and the food, uh, vendors. It was such a, it became its own grassroots festival in real time. 
Uh, I mean, That's artists like dude, <laughs> artists like uh, Amanda Sage, who is an incredible visionary artist, she held her workshop in the middle of the day, like the following day, and it was packed. There was like a five-hour fire performance happening uh, that night that it got canceled. That just never seemed like it never seemed like it was going to end. Um, Aqueous played, uh, of the trees played. Uh, these are the first time I got to see these artists in, in that type of environment. It was so fucking cool because you realize no one's getting paid anymore. You know, this yeah. is purely like we're here, we're in the moment, we're going to make the best of it. And here it is, it's happening. And uh, that, that festival was also so unique because it was a camp anywhere setup. Like you could drive your yeah. vehicle fairly close to where these stages were uh, and post up. And it, and it just became such an, a beautiful atmosphere because of just the community that came together, you know, yeah. in real time, in a time where people could get all pissed off and they could get sour and demand their money back or just bitch. But it wasn't like that at all. It was the complete opposite. So like that poster I have hanging up in my kitchen, it will be up wherever I live because of that experience. Even though knowing, you know, half of those artists didn't even get to play their sets. That was going to be the first time I saw Papadozio was in that environment and they canceled, but it turns out, you know, a month or later on that month on my birthday, I got to see him for the first time. And that experience was so special in itself. So, so that creatures of the yeah. night, I want to say 2015, but mm, give or take whatever year yeah. it was. Uh, that's it was fucking so insane. So cool. That's an insane mm -hmm. story. That's so fucking sick, dude. Yeah. I love it. Yeah. It's like those, those experiences that gives you like, a glimpse inside of how this community really can treat each other, you know? And mm -hmm. I think like you, a lot of that gets lost at these massive festivals, not that it's completely gone, but those smaller festivals in those early years, like those first years of festivals like Okeechobee, like there's just something special about being with people that are kind of there for a new experience together. They don't have any preconceived notion of how this is supposed to go. Right. And how these things are supposed to happen. And so they, they're willing to make things make things happen um i pulled up the so the 2015 bonnaroo lineup so i would say yeah. in the running 2013 bonnaroo 2015 bonnaroo 2016 okeechobee or 2011 hangout those are and i gotta throw i gotta throw a 2011 Lollapalooza in there too because eminem was there i mean he was also there at 14 <laughs> but like that was my first time seeing seeing eminem and obviously i'm a stan everybody knows that but so the 20 the 2015 one um was some of the highlights so grammatic was there glass animals was there this was glass animals before they were big and they played in a tent um like late night on thursday and we were with a bunch of people that ha hadn't heard of them hadn't seen them and like the that experience was they put on a great show but there was uh moon taxi was there king gizzard was there my morning jacket bass nectar childish gambino flume hosier um saturday was fucking stack gary clark jr was there and then Sunday, Billy Joel, Florence and the Machine, um, Robert Plant, and the Sensational Space Shifters. Um, Spoon was there. Like, it was just the fucking... It, it was a killer lineup, but the experience, like... The experience was great, but I remember that... And, and Trey's gonna kill me for bringing this up. I don't even think it's on here. They might have posted it later. Um, this was the year that Bass Nectar played the same time pretty lights did a super jam and our group was split and so a bunch of us went to bass nectar trey obviously went to pretty light super jam but 
This is to date one of my all time favorite Bass Nectar shows. And Trey, I remember telling me after the fact, like, I should have just gone to the Bass Nectar set because I could hear it everywhere I fucking went because it was so (laughs) loud. And that experience, like, man, Nectar on the farm, it's crazy. But that's that that Bonnaroo, like, I felt like I'd been 2013 and 14 and I felt like I had, I, I had a lay of the land. Like I knew where I was and like, it felt like home, right? Like I felt comfortable there finally. And so the group I was with, the lineup that was there, the bass sector show, like all that shit just kind of came together. And that felt like really like a pinnacle of kind of where I was at in like the music fest and all the music festivals. Like it just all came together perfectly. Um, That's such a cool, go ahead, go ahead. No, 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 you go ahead. Well, I was going to say it's like that's such a cool thing that festivals do also is like music wise, like you could be just wandering around and some music from some direction can just draw you to it, you know, whether you even know who's playing or not. Like that's such a um, that's such a cool thing that happens because it's just organic. You know, you just kind of go where your ears tell you to go and uh, they don't let you down. Yeah, um, I do have to say. So I got to tell this story. The yeah. first Bonnaroo we ever went to um, was 2013. And we had a pop-up camper at the time. And so I went with a group of, there was eight of us in total. Zach was there, Ashton, Randy, um, you know, just a, it was a small group. And we went and we took the pop-up camper, right? We True. get there to the festival. This is all of our first Bonnaroo's. So like we have, like we knew from, from Carly's experience, like what we needed. Right. So we had alcohol, we had food to, to some degree or whatever. We roll up to the campsite, the RV campsite. We can't get the tent to pop up. We can't cause the pop-up camper. So we can't get the camper to pop up. <laughs> so I'm sticking the tool in. Like we had just driven to Bonnaroo. It's late at night. We're trying to set up. We can't fucking get it to pop up. So we're going through hell trying to get this thing to work. We're asking people around us, like, does anybody know how they can get this up? Like, is there anything we can do? It's hours. Like, at one point, we all just, we pull the beer out and we're like, fuck this. Like, we're just going to drink. We can't figure it out. We'll we'll sleep in the grass. Like, we've thrown our hands up. We're eating Pop-Tarts. Like, we don't know what the fuck to do. Finally, an old guy comes over and he's in one of these, like, double-decker, massive fucking RVs. And he comes over and he's like, um, he looks underneath and he's like, I think I know how to get it up. He takes like a wrench, whatever. He pops some piece off at the bottom. He starts manually cranking it one one piece at a time, like one click at a time with a wrench. So we see it's like slowly going up, slowly going up. And we're all freaking out. And he goes, I I can get it up, but I don't think I can get it back down. And so at the time, we're like, what the fuck ever, man? We'll deal with that in four days. Like, we just want to get the pop-up camper up. We get it up. We get everything set up, whatever. Happy Bonnaroo. We rage. We have a great time. Then it's time to leave Sunday night. And the beds, you would pop the camper out and pull the beds out at the side. So we push the beds in, we load everything up. And then we remember, oh, yeah, we can't get this back down. (laughs) And so we, I had a Jeep Liberty at the time. We're like, what the fuck? Like, we need to get out of Bonnaroo. We can't pop this down. We can't leave it here. So (laughs) we (laughs) attach the camper to my Jeep with it still popped up. Zach's in the car with me. I think it's me, Zach, and Ashton in my Jeep. We drive out of the festival and we're going slow as shit. We're probably driving 20 miles an hour to get out of like out of Bonnaroo. We get onto the highway. There's police everywhere because people are starting to leave the festival. 
We're driving in essentially the breakdown lane with the hazards on. The pop-up camper popped up. And we're driving. And some police officer, Zach, I still remember this to this day. Zach's in my passenger seat. And he has his arm out the window. like, And he's kind of like just looking or whatever. He looks over and there's a police officer. The police officer turns around, looks at him, looks at the camper, looks back at him and goes, put the top down <laughs> and zach kind of throws his hands up like what do you think like we're not trying to do this we can't get it down me zach and ashton proceeded to sit in tennessee for the next three days trying to figure out what the fuck we we're gonna do wow dog jinx is acting up um we're sitting in tennessee for the next three days trying to figure out what we're gonna do we're at like some shitty motel finally like a storm's rolling in i'm like if it starts to rain we can't get this camper down it's gonna fuck this thing up so we go outside and I stick the tool and I'm like, let me just try one more time. Like, let's just see. <laughs> I Please stick the work. fucking tool in the thing. Camper starts to crank down. <laughs> just lowers itself perfectly. Mm-mm. We're screaming. It starts to downpour. We're in the rain, like just fully drenched, screaming, hugging each other. Like we finally got the camper down. And I just remember driving it home. And like, it was the whole process to fix after the fact. But like, that was my first ever Bonnaroo experience was the camper that didn't work. You know, that's, but it, it came together, it you know? Three days. Yeah. <laughs> it worked when it wanted to. Yeah, but exactly. It's still, yeah, a great experience. You know, I mean, like those types of, those things you can't you can't curate. It just happens, and you roll with it, and you know, come out with good stories. Right? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> um, yeah. Well, anyway, before we move on to rides or dies, you got any any final thoughts you want to share? Anything you want to talk about festival wise? We haven't talked about. Nah, I know there's I mean, so much more we could talk for fucking three hours with the festivals yeah. that you and I have been to. Like, yeah, no, I mean my my advice. To pe- well, so one thing that definitely helped over time was to make a list of shit to bring. You know, uh, the first festival, you just wing it. Second one, you think you have an idea, but then eventually I, I ended up, I remember I had a Word doc that was just festival to bring list. And that was super helpful because like me being last minute, I would just load shit up and go. But pre- plan for it if you can, uh, as best you can, I guess I should say. But also... If you're debating on going, fucking go. You know, there's just only one way to find out, you know, what it's all about or what the experience is going to be for you. And that's to actually go and experience it. So, yeah, if you're ever debating it, do it. Um, If other people are holding you back from going to see shows you want to see, say, I will catch up with you later (laughs) and just be responsible because like that's one thing you can't you're not going to be able to please everyone and there's going to be conflicts at these things but if if there's somebody you want to see and you've got a good lay of the land and you know where to go and you know where to meet do that you know but that's that's it's asking a lot for a lot of people i get that um because you're maybe all at your first festival for the first time but if there's a way to compromise if there's a way to go and see artists you want to see do it uh, otherwise be content with where you are, you know, as far as what artists you're seeing, don't, don't, don't wish you were somewhere else when you're at the festival. If you have yeah. a chance, go do it. Yeah. So that's I would my say spiel. my piece of advice, hydrate for the love yeah. of God, yeah, hydrate, please. drink water. You're never drinking enough water. I promise. If you're going to any festival, wear good shoes. You're going to be standing for a long ass time. Um, 
And if you're a drug user, monitor your drug use, please test your drugs, test take your care shit. of each yeah. other, like know what you can handle, know what you can't. But yeah, like Anthony said, just go, man, plan it, figure it out, find a group. Doesn't matter if it's your first one, it's your 10th one. You go with a veteran, you go with all newbies, whatever, like you guys are going to have a good time and it's, it's always worth going. So that's kind of my, ah, that's kind of mine and Jinx's spiel um, on <laughs> that whole thing. Fuck yeah. And solo is right, not so, a bad way to do it either. I'll, I'll say. No, it's not. I've been to multiple <laughs> bonners everywhere. I've been to multiple bonners by myself, and I enjoyed all of them. So they mm-hmm. they've been a blast. Um, all right, let's get into rides or dies. Intro your track for us. All right, so my ride or die is a track by a homie named Mind Dex. Uh, this dude is has progressively grown in the music scene from an awareness standpoint. He's always been a prolific producer. Um, since the first time I saw him, I, I couldn't tell you when or where it was, but some little dive bar in Atlanta probably uh, was the first time I got to see him or maybe at a tipper festival. Uh, but I want to think it was before that, but either way um, he used to play this song in his sets and I never knew what it was. Couldn't find it, reached out to him and said, yo, what is this track at this time? And basically uh, the response I would get was um, just be patient. So I had to wait a long time to figure out what this song was even called. Uh, But every time I heard it live, it fucking just kicked everything off to another gear. Um, So I guess the pronunciation is No So Rog. But when he finally released it, I was like, this is that fucking track. I can't wait to put it on repeat because and hear it on a system, you know, personally. uh, Yeah. was so fucking stoked. So uh, No So Rog by Mindex. Nice. Um, I, you know, I, we've talked about this type of music before. It's, uh, it's, it's kind of hit or miss for me, but, uh, hang on a second. Jinx is, is losing her patience with me. Um, don't She's worry. It's almost, it's almost over. Uh, <laughs> uh, I enjoyed it. You know, like th- this music is an acquired taste for sure. And, you know, I'm not really in the same, the same sphere as you guys are when it comes to this type of music, but I do enjoy it every once in a while. And so I think like, with it being a rides or dies track, it's perfect for me. I get my little, my little taste of it. I can kind of let it ride and then, you know, maybe revisit it down the road. But I did like it. I think that's cool as shit that that's how you first came to hear about it, you know, and learned about it. I think that's tight. Mm -hmm. Yeah. It was so, it was, yeah. Very good experience for me to, to finally say, this is that track. You know what I mean? So yeah, let's see see what you got to say about, uh, with your little. All right. So, (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> oh god i need to i just want to hear what you had to say about it so i gotta say um shout out to shout out to my boy jeff um so i you know I, everyone knows this i'm a i'm a known nerd um um i'm a known nerd and i play world of warcraft and some a friend of mine that i play world of warcraft discord name is southern perp which i think you would appreciate um his name mm-hmm. is jeff he's been going through a sad boy phase recently so we've been talking about sad boy music and suicide boys <laughs> is very sad boy music and so i picked paris by suicide boys which is a little bit harder but still in that same vein um and i knew it wasn't your type of music but i thought it would be christian's type of music so at least i i thought i was gonna have him to back me up so what <laughs> What did you think about it? Well, I'll say this on Christian's uh, technical difficulty behalf. I think he would dig this. Christian showed me Suicide Boys. He came in town for a wedding uh, last year, and I got got to uh, drive him from the wedding to where his car was or to where the wherever after thing was. And um, 
Christian was like, yo, I want to play you this, this, uh, this track. And I was like, all right. And so he plays a suicide boys track, which I, I had not, I'd heard the name, but never listened to their music. And, uh, I was like, all right. I mean, I could get it. You know, it's gym music, workout music. It's kind of consistent through right, and through. Right. But, um, <laughs> so this track, when I played it, um, there was only a couple things that I couldn't, I couldn't get out of my head was, I was like, why does this sound familiar? And it wasn't because Christian played me this track. It was because it it reminded me of if uh, Will Ferrell and John C. Riley from Step Brothers did a hip hop track. Oh, it would be this God. track. <laughs> so it was like, uh, if, you were, if you were to turn boats and hoes into paris this is uh this is oh my god dude (laughs) so like it doesn't it doesn't ride with me the beat i can get down with but like like from a rapping standpoint it just reminded me of will ferrell uh so like i could (laughs) i could uh i could get down with that so will ferrell if you're listening uh y'all reunite and cover some suicide boys and then step brothers too (laughs) god damn it all right, whatever. I'll take yeah, it. Right. You know, I I kind of I expected something. I didn't expect that from you, but I ex- I expected <laughs> something similar. So I'll take there it. There you go. There you go. Uh, well, I know we were gonna talk a twenty four, but I think we should save it for yeah. when Christian's on. And also, Jinx is is getting ornery. She's in her yeah. teenage phase, so I gotta get I gotta yeah. get her outside. But Anthony, thanks for coming on. It was a blast, man. I love reminiscing okay. on on the music festival times we've had. And like I said, we can, this, this topic is not over. I know you and I could talk about this for, for ages. Right. So we got to get we'll, Christian's take too. Cause he had some behind the scenes uh, experience too, with a lot of festivals that would be really interesting yeah. to dive into sometime. Yeah. A hundred percent. Well, thanks for coming back. We'll uh, hopefully Christian can sort out his shit and we can do this next week and, and recap 2023. But uh, until then, brother, I will see you everybody else. Thanks for listening. Okay. Peace. Thanks for having me. Of course.